We want to talk about five blessings that new churches bring into the kingdom of God. And we as Lutherans apply this theology of the cross to every aspect of our theology. Treasure believe the congregation is not organized unless there's work for everyone. We plant, we water, God brings the increase. Welcome to the Lutheran Church Planter, a podcast exploring the theology, philosophy, and practice of planting new Lutheran congregations. I'm your host, Andy Coyle, church planter and director of home missions for the Association of Free Lutheran Congregations, joined by my co-host and fellow church planter, Matthew Ballman. Our first three episodes, we talked about the reason for why we want to plant new congregations, and we gave two theological ones and one practical one. The theological ones were just focusing on the heart of God, the mission of God, how he is desiring to seek and to save the lost. People need Jesus, and that is really the foundation, right? He has given us the Great Commission. He has given us that uh, call to be a part of his mission. And he has also given us the church. And we talked about that as a second aspect here of the congregation as the instrument through which God uses to spread the gospel. And we talked about the beauty of the congregation. And, and, and then last week, we talked about how new churches are effective, how they're fruitful in reaching the lost, in doing what God desires. And so those are just three major reasons. We could talk a lot more about each of them, and there are some other ones we could get into, but I think as we try to set the foundation, we just thought that would be a good place to start. Today, we want to get into a, a few more practical aspects as it relates to church planting. And we often hear that, you know, in either reading books or just talking to normal people that, well, you know, if you plant churches, it's going to hurt existing churches. And honestly, that can happen, and it has happened. Sometimes that's happened when we've had, you know, for example, a church planner goes and just is wanting to build an empire. It's just this Lone Ranger mentality, and he is just seeking to grow a crowd of people, and he just pulls from other churches, right? He's not even working with other churches. He's not even having any communication with them. It's really just about building building something for him. And, and sometimes it's also happened if the focus is sort of denominational tunnel vision. Well, you know, if we plant a church here, it's going to, and our only audience is other AFLCers, for example, well then, yeah, that is going to hurt other churches because you're starting with a different foundation. And so that's, again, that's why we started on uh, needing to be clear on why we plant churches, mission, congregation. And so today we're going to get into the positive aspect on this and, and really addressing that question. We want to talk about five blessings that new churches bring into the kingdom of God. Blessings for both the supporting congregations, maybe the association at large, and new congregations themselves. So five blessings of planting new congregations. And the first one is that planting new congregations stirs evangelistic fervor. So Matt, what when we say that, when we talk about missions, what, what are we getting at there? Yeah, stirring evangelistic fervor is, you know, what so evangelism, evangelistic is this idea of the good news of Jesus is tying back to the gospel and that the Great Commission, this call to make disciples, to proclaim this good news by baptizing and by teaching. It's this word center proclamation. And church plants, that, that's what they are. They're these outposts of proclamation. That's what the church does, proclaiming the reconciling work of Jesus Christ, right? reconciling the sinner to God, our Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ. When you plant a church, uh, the, the church plant, the pastor, the planter, the team, uh, the individuals who are part of that, everyone part of that initial group, 
by and large, is going to be really clear on that's why they exist. Hopefully, if they're going about it right, kind of in a thoughtful way, not just jumping into it, but they're understanding like this is a priority. This is why we're planting this church. And they're going to talk about that. That's a big part of hopefully their first initial meetings and prayer gatherings is going to be, we are trying to not just steal sheep. You know, you kind of refer to that. We're not just trying to uh, gather a bunch of uh, Christians, but we will do that. Certainly we're going to be finding people who are moving to the city who don't have a church and looking for a church and, you know, creating a home for them. People coming maybe from unhealthy churches, but a big focus is going to be you know, uh, those who are far from Jesus, as we might say, those who are have not been reconciled to Christ, those who are dead in their sins, uh, those who need the life and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, right? So that initial group, that launch group, that launch team, uh, they're going to be really kind of hyper-focused on that. And, and maybe a good picture of this is, it's kind of like if you send a, um, you know, think of a military unit, you send them, they're, they're overseas, they're, they're, they have a really clear mission to go and take a hill. Right, your job is to take this hill and to hold this this hill. A church plant team is going to be really clear. That's why we're here, right? We we, we don't want to have any like Vietnam kind of situations. We're like, well, what are we here for? What are we doing? What are we supposed to do? But just it's really crystal clear on that. But when you have a team that's doing that, when your church plant is doing that, there's going to be a, a benefit, a secondary benefit to all the sponsor churches that they're they're seeing and observing and hearing this evangelistic fervor and zeal within this church plant. And they're reminded, oh yeah, not only are we a part of that by supporting it, right, and praying for them, but that's going to be stirred within our hearts and minds as well. And this reminder of that's what every church is called to do, right? And the very fact that they're engaged in that conversation is kind of calling them back to that call that they have as a church to be seeking to build relationships with the lost and share the good news with them as well. So it it definitely has this double benefit, um, church planting in that in that way. Yeah, I think you. Know, I remember back as a kid, right, or even in Bible college, hearing and seeing missionary stories. You know, and, and God uses missionary stories. He uses um, His work to inspire mm. His people. And and I just yeah. think like within church planting, within missions in general, right. This is something when people see, man, God is, he's working. He's working maybe across the world. He's working in our city. He's working through average people like me, right? Uh, that, that is going to inspire. It's going to focus just and create a, a mission heart. And that is a beautiful thing and a great blessing for the church itself. I think related to this then is just the aspect then of prayer. And that's really, I think, the second blessing for planting new churches is not only does it shape and inspire mission, but it focuses our prayer for mission and prayer for the lost. Have you seen that in your situation? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, at the get go for us, um, in, we started with this idea of, uh, look, we want to be building relationships with people who are not believers, but that starts with, cause one, for believers, sometimes I'm like, well, I don't know if I know a lot of unbelievers, right? For some people, um, or maybe they do know a ton of them, but they, they wrestle with, how do I bring this up? How do I have this conversation? Well, that starts with prayer, right? It's a, it's a spiritual work. It's a spirit of God who has to prepare the soil and, you know, uh, provide those opportunities for us to have those conversations, give us the wisdom and the boldness to have those conversations. Uh, and then the spirit ongoing work. So prayer, <laughs> prayer is really a, such a foundational component and I mean, that was a big part of even for us at Trinity 
um, as we were preparing, you know, even discerning, are we going to plant a church, was inviting people around us at Abiding Savior to be praying for us. The leaders, friends, and family, and we're going out to, to lunch with some of our close friends there and, you know, asking them to pray with us about this. And um, so the, the entire process, the discernment process, the preparing process of, you know, pray that the Lord would, would provide for the needs and be preparing hearts already. And one of the things we did, just kind of a practical thing, is we actually made these little uh, magnets that said, pray for San Antonio. And it had a little picture of the skyline of San Antonio and that we gave this to those who partnered with us in prayer. And we said, hey, here's a way to put it on your fridge. Remember to be praying for uh, the work that God wants to be doing in and through his church in San Antonio every time you look at this. And just kind of a tangible way. But but that ongoing effect uh, that that we need the spirit of God to be gathering his people uh, together. Yeah, and as people you know, pray for new church plants or missionaries around the world. And as God captures their heart for mission, their eyes start to turn to their own backyards. They start, their mm -hmm. eyes start to turn to their community and finding people in their lives that they can start praying for. So it really just works holistically. And that's a, that's mm -hmm. a beautiful thing, um, really focusing on that mission call of God and just incorporating our prayer life. That's a, that's a big, big blessing. Anytime you do mission, anytime you do big things, I know that sounds kind of trite, right? But there's a there's a dependence upon God, and I think that is then the third aspect here of and a, and a blessing really for the broader church family is just just an opportunity to rely on God, right? Mm -hmm. And 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 just the dependence upon His guidance and His leadership. How does the theology of cross of the cross fit into this dependence or reliance upon God? Yeah, so theology of the cross, you know, for Lutherans, we we would believe and see within Scripture that it, comparing this with a the theology of glory. Theology of glory says, "How do I know God loves me? God is blessing me." It's when things are going really well. Theology of the cross says, it's "Actually, in the brokenness." that we experience God's grace in a way that we would never experience it otherwise. Mm -hmm. This promise that Jesus makes to St. Yeah. Paul that my grace is sufficient, right? It's actually in your weakness that you will experience my strength and power being made great. Only in that brokenness, only in that weakness is that experience. And we as Lutherans apply this theology of the cross to every aspect of our theology. I mean, it, it can apply from like our theology of the word of God, that the Bible <laughs> itself, uh, we we understand that it's not, it's not this like um, uh, everything just is like a, a systematic theology, but it's all these broken stories of people's lives right. that are messed up and screwed up and so much heartache and, and sin and pride. And yet we see God's grace and redemption being shown through all of that, right? Our own, our, our savior, our Lord and savior, Jesus Christ, the way that he, he conquered death was through death, the theology of the cross, right? So it wasn't through this, this power per se, but it was the power of the cross through death, conquering death. So in church planting, it very much is us entering into a theology of the cross and recognizing that as we step into these places of, of maybe where we're fearful, where there's lack, where there is need, where there's a desperation, that we are going to experience God's grace in ways that we would never have otherwise, not only personally experience it, but then God's grace is put on display, hopefully, if we're, we're sharing that and talking about that um, within our lives. I mean, I'm curious, like, Andy, for you, you, 
I, I think of and y'all y'all story just as a family uh, spending time in Ukraine um, and a lot of your mission experience and then church planning in the U.S. Uh, where have you personally seen maybe this play out in your in your lives in your ministry and the the ministry uh, the lives of the people within within both those ministries? Yeah, you know. As we, as our ministry was wrapping up in Ukraine, everything was pretty messy, and obviously, there's a lot of hard things happening in that country right now, and it's, that's been going on for years. But I think refocusing on God in the midst of suffering and in the midst of things falling apart gives great peace, and I think I think that's a great ministry lesson for us all, all the way through, right? In, in the midst of these really hard things, in the midst of failed expectations, in the, in the midst of people rejecting you or things falling apart that you had great expectations for, you know, there's that, just that beautiful reliance upon God that, that he's there and he's in the midst of it. And, and so I think I've seen that in many places just in ministry, I think I think all pastors and all people do. You know, sometimes they don't they don't look for it, but there's sweet presence of Christ in the midst of the hardship, and and that just points us right to the cross, right? So I think I think that's just overarching as a foundation that I've seen in, in my life and in our in our family and our marriage and and in every way. Just thankful for that, and and you know as I relate. As I'm thinking about these other two things above this, right, uh, mission and evangelism, and prayer for the lost, and opportunity to rely on God, you know, these are all really related because our, our natural, mm. our natural understanding is dependence upon self. Yes, it, it is yep. dependence upon our methods, our understanding, our charisma, our training, our assessments, uh, whatever, and and even in just established congregations, right? It's just it's just the natural dependence. We got this. We're going to figure this out, our leadership and all these things. And I think the more that the heart is caught up with the mission of God, the more that there is that evangelistic fervor and dependence upon God in prayer, it's going to take the eyes off of our skill sets and it's going to put it directly upon Christ and his provision and his promise to build his church and his presence with us by the Spirit. And so that these these are all really related, very very intimately, and that's a beautiful thing. And I'm just thankful that that Christ promises to be with us in the hard times because yeah, ministry is hard. You know, working with people is just yeah, it's just challenging. And so it's a beautiful aspect of relying upon this God who cares and this God who is so present. Yeah. I remember reminded of Philippians 2 that talks about it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And this is really captures well the paradox of church planting yeah. where this this kind of hyperemphasis that, that um, maybe we shouldn't always have a hyperemphasis, but wanting to go about it and saying, hey, we want to do this well and thoughtfully and prepare and like not just jump into it, right, uh, to count the cost. But at the same time, th- that's not how God's kingdom is built solely on our planning and preparation, but it's it's <laughs> on him who works within us to will write this good work. And that, that, I think that's a paradox. We plant, we water, God brings the increase. And it's a law gospel distinction, we could say, that we recognize um, it's all gospel and um, we're not going to accomplish it, you know, in the law. And yet there is this kind of third function of the law that we are called to, to obey and to pick up our cross every day and to follow him. 
Um, but this, the gospel and the law have this, you know, beautiful relationship together uh, in God's work in our life. So, yeah. Right. The fourth blessing we want to kind of get into is we see very, very much alive in church plants. And I think that as this can inspire in our broader association and church families, is just the reality of the giftings and unleashing the giftings of people in our churches. And fundamental principle number two within our, our Free Lutheran Church says, the congregation consists of believers who, by using the means of grace and the spiritual gifts as directed by the word of God, seek salvation and eternal blessedness for themselves and for their fellow man. That implies the using of spiritual gifts. The fundamental principles in other places talk about that. And so there's this very great holistic usage of gifts within the body of Christ, within a church plant that really then is to be in every congregation. Uh, sometimes I've heard it critiqued of church plants. Well, you know, it's just all about the pastor. It's all about, you know, his great vision and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I'm concerned about church plants because it's just so top down and it's not a place where there can be gifting that are exercised. And, and the reality is, it's the exact opposite. That the, the percentages of people that are actively serving and actively being trained is very, very high because it has to be. It has to be, mm. right? Uh, sometimes it's been, you know, we, it's talked about that the church is this leadership factory or the, the congregation is that leadership factory where the gifts of God are being used and deployed and, and, and trained. So how have you seen that in your church plant? Maybe give some examples of various ways in which people have been brought in and unleashed within giftings and within service for the body of Christ. Yeah, absolutely. And I would, I would echo all that. We, I would say in our situation, we have seen, uh, it is just kind of by necessity in some ways, this beautiful releasing and empowering of the people of God. And so maybe I'll start with maybe two, two points here. One is we, we always want to kind of rightly understand like, um, vocations, right? It, I think we can maybe this dangerous hyper swing over to like, are, are all people called to do all things? Well, no, that's kind of our, our woke ideology of the day that says like, well, men and women are, you know, both should be able to have babies. It's like, well, no, like <laughs> there's a vocational call that each one has that God has designed. So in like manner, we would recognize, well, pastor's called to do certain things, but that doesn't put them on a pedestal above everybody else. That there's this beautiful picture of the body of Christ. And I think we almost can do a disservice if we try to say, well, no, it's not a body. Everybody's a hand everybody's an eye, everybody's yeah, a foot. for sure. Right, that, that that actually is like, now we're arguing against God's beautiful design for the local church, and we need to be really careful about that. No, God has designed the body to function in its various roles. The danger is when one member, right, we don't want two, two ditches we can fall in. One, every member is every member of the body of Christ. Everybody's an eye, everybody's an ear, everybody's a hand. Well, that's not what Paul argues, right, in 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, but secondly, secondly, we also don't want to fall into the ditch of saying one person, i.e. maybe the pastor, uh, is intended to do all those things, right? Those are both ditches we can fall into. But what we want to embrace, and I think plants, again, they're often just required to do this well, almost in every, even, no matter what your theological kind of background is, like even like hyper-attractional church plants, uh, or even like maybe on the other end of the spectrum, whatever that might look like, they're forced because of the, the sheer nature of the work that has to happen, the ministry that has to happen to release their people to do things that often established churches are not necessarily uh, required to do. 
or, or or maybe because the same strong leaders have been doing it in those churches for 30 years or 20 years or however long it's been, you don't have the opportunity for people, younger people, or for leaders who have not been, uh, have the opportunity to strengthen or test their, their g- gifting to step into those places. It takes a lot more effort, I would say. We're in our situation. I mean, I, I can think like, go down the list, like mm-hmm. multiple people right. who never have sung before. Multiple people, never sung before, never served on a worship team before. And we're like, man, we need someone to help us lead the hymns this Sunday. All right, here's a mic. You're up there, right? Like literally, we I, we could go down the list of people in our church that we've had to do that. Beautiful, right? And every church can do that. Um, I could go down the list of people who have never served in like, you know, uh, setting up a, a church service before because they maybe came from a church where they had a sanctuary. They never had to serve. They just showed up and sat in the pew. Well, guess what? Hey, could you show up two hours early and help set up chairs and sound sound system? Uh, sure. Never done it before, but if you show me, I'll do it. Right. right. So, yeah, like that 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 um, is is a beautiful thing. Uh, I would say even you know one of the things um, we've had an opportunity, and this is all God God's grace, but we have you know, a gentleman in our church who by being a part of Trinity has felt the call to ministry and now is in seminary, right? And he's on that track to go into vocational pastoral ministry. And that's, that is by God's grace. We give praise for that. That can happen in, in any church. It should happen in any church. Um, we just happen to, to be a church plant that is seeing that happen in our midst. And I give, I give praise to that. So, I mean, I would say like in our situation, it's pretty much like at every single level, it is, and I say this kind of, (laughs) at the beginning of our church plan, I say this often, like everybody's got to grab an oar. Everybody's got to grab an oar because there's just so much uh, to do. And it's just as a beautiful thing when you see people exercising their spiritual gifts, jumping in, serving at just basically every single layer, every single level, exercising those gifts. It is so, so beautiful. And you're going to, guess what? Make some mistakes. Um, there are going to be people who are inexperienced in certain areas, but you have grace in that. It's an opportunity to um, relate to them in grace, to have those conversations, and it's a means of sanctification for the entire body of Christ. Yeah, and I think, you know, as we talk about church plants here and how that can be a benefit for uh, existing churches, right? And, and, and we're not saying that Obviously, this doesn't happen in an existing church. It, it does in many, right? Uh, but one of the things that's kind of an interesting side note here is oftentimes people will start up in a church plant, but they'll move. They'll move into another city. They'll move into another area. And the training and the experience that they had received there, they just bring that right into another church. And so they're, in a sense, they're they're sharing, church plants are sharing their resources as people move in and move out and, and just using their gifts. I, I want to read um, the principle number six from the Fundamental Principles, and just a couple comments here. It says, A free congregation esteems and cherishes all the spiritual gifts which the Lord gives for its edification, notice the word all, and seeks to stimulate and encourage their use. And, and to our point here, that we see that on fire within church plants out of necessity, but also then out of conviction, right? We don't want to make this just simply a pragmatic issue, but we do actually mm-hmm. value this. And we do believe that, man, people want to use their gifts. They want to serve. And this is the best thing for them when they find their place in whatever member that is, right? And whatever gifting that they have. Um, I'm reading here from a new study from the AFLC here, the gospel in the congregation on page 34. 
And it says this, Sverta's vision of a free and living congregation included not only clergy who has been instructed in God's word to be spirit-led shepherds, but also lay believers in the congregation who are faithful workers in his kingdom. Sverta believed the congregation is not organized unless there's work for everyone. This should be accomplished when the spiritual gifts are esteemed, cherished, and recognized by the congregation and encouraged in their use. And so we we are we very firmly believe in the value and the blessing of unleashing, of discovering, of training, and empowering people in their giftings in the body of Christ to do what they're supposed to do. And, and that starts everywhere in church plants, but then it just reaches beyond that into the broader association. The final one here we wanted to get into, just as a blessing, is just related to an education and missions. We talked about how, um, you know, church plants can inspire missionary fervor and evangelistic ideas, right? But what we also see then is is just a very practical aspect of providing an education and missions, and really as it relates to young people into the service of. God in, in ministry, right? So talk about that. Talk about how you've used that in your congregation to uh, inspire people into ministry. Yeah, you alluded to this earlier. You know, when we hear the testimonies, uh, the working of God through missionaries overseas, and that's personally my story, right? Uh, the reason what God used to call me into ministry was, you know, the Abels in Brazil and my experience going to Brazil and, you know, a lot of other things that the Lord used, but that was one kind of significant figure that and I've shared this story publicly many times that my call in the ministry was sitting with uh, Pastor Abel on his front porch, drinking coffee, you know, Brazilian morning. And he asked, hey, Matthew, have you ever considered going to ministry? And I can honestly say like, I hadn't really. And like, I was wrestling with some like vocational things. Like, what am I going to do for like college and direction of life and all that? And the fact that he like, even he asked me that question, right? Um, that was my my first kind of initial external call, if you will, to begin like turning me to pray about that and seek the Lord's face in that. And church planting, when we have our churches, both, you know, our, our people being a part of a church, if we are talking about this evangelistic mission with our own people, if here's why we exist, right? This is what we're, we are trying to um, make disciples. That's what we're called to do. The people in your church are probably going to have a higher exposure, right? To hearing that theology and that being, part of their mindset and their heart. Um, so I think the chances of them going out and um, being part of additional, you know, church plants or mission work is probably higher. But I think that goes goes to um, churches that are supporting them as well, right? The, having missionaries come back and share those testimonies, having uh, church planners share like, what is God working? And then having those sponsor churches, praying for them, supporting them financially, all of that's gonna tie into this kingdom mindset. And so, I mean, we've already seen this in our very short history in just one one really practical way um, in this, like kind of cultivating this kingdom mindset is we had uh, Pastor Pillman, uh, Matthew and Julia Pillman come for uh, a little under a year for a church plant residency. They recently, about a month ago, just moved to Ankeny, Iowa, Iowa to start a church plant there. Excited for them, be praying for them, everybody. Did you just say Iowa? I did, Iowa, yeah, sorry. <laughs> That's my Texan accent. <laughs> Iowa, Iowa. Uh, but they they were here, and our congregation really fell in love with them. Like, just it was it was kind of a hard goodbye. There were tears on their last Sunday, sending them off. And a lot of people said, "Oh, we're really going to miss you know miss them and their family and their presence." And the, you know, 
Because why? Because they, were, they became a part of the body of Christ at Trinity. And they're the hands and foot and ears and, you know, that they contributed are, are being, you know, shared now. Like we're losing them in many respects. But here's the cool part of that. While that hurt, I think that's a beautiful thing in that we're recognizing that we are, we are we're having this kingdom mindset that we're not losing them per se as we are sending them. We're releasing them. This kind of maybe ties to the, 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 the point before it to some degree, but we're releasing them and we're part of this greater kingdom work. And we're making our own little contribution, right? Our own little sacrificial gift in some ways of saying, we love you. We're sending you with a blessing, with our prayers, with our support um, in that way. And I think that is cultivating hopefully within our, our congregation that, um, you know, as a plant itself, but, but now in some ways we're, we're further down the line. We're in some ways, I put air quotes around this, an established church, if you will, receiving the benefit and the blessing of supporting from, a from a, you know, a distance, this other church planting work. And we are benefiting, we are reaping spiritual benefit because we're being called into this more gospel, you know, kind of kingdom mindset. I, I don't know. Does that make sense? That was kind of a long, long way to say, say it. Yeah, I think absolutely. I think just the idea of the training ground for missions, whether that is young people, whether that is kids being a part of all of that, uh, whether that's interns, there, there's a certain training ground that takes place in church plants that I think also can inspire the broader church. And, and I think as we just wrap up today, I just want to make that comment. Be, notice all five of these things are all bleeding together. And these are all foundational things. We didn't talk today about specific ideas. We didn't talk about methods. We didn't talk about 10 ways how to, you know, do a, a new program. I mean, th those things can be part of this discussion too on a lesser scale, but all these things really are foundational aspects, but all of it implies awareness. And so as we talk about church plants, we, we are not talking about just simply, you know, one person doing something isolated from everybody else. What we are wanting, and I think our association creates a great aspect for this, is that we are wanting all of our churches to know what's going on in our church plants. And that then is what uh, inspires all of these things. So it implies a, an awareness. It, it implies a community. It implies an association, a family that is working together on mission. And we hear ideas of what's going on in Hawaii or in Arizona or North Dakota or in Texas or different places. And, and we say, oh, this is how they did that. And, oh, I love how their leadership structure there, all the different ways in which they're incorporating the giftings of the church. And the more that we hear that, the more that we wrestle with that, that inspires the local congregation, wherever it is, to reflect on their ministry. And this is all part of the blessing that creating new congregations just organically affects the greater association. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. And the more that we can focus on that aspect of family, of association, of awareness, the more that these things are going to be fostered as we continue to plant new churches. So this then doesn't become a negative thing. This doesn't become one of those things where, well, planting churches is going to hurt existing churches. No, we, we believe the exact opposite. We believe that mm. as we plant faithful congregations, that line up with the DNA, and we're going to get to that in the future, right? Free living Lutheran and all that kind of stuff. That as we do that with the audience in mind, the mission of God and the congregation, that is only going to create blessing within our broader mm. association. If people are saved as they are, as they are discipled and as they are sent, mm. this is a good thing.
Well, thanks for joining us today. Uh, we would love your help with this podcast. If you are enjoying the show, I know this is uh, pretty new, it's only four episodes, but please take a moment, subscribe, maybe leave a review if you have questions. It really helps us to understand a, a number of things here as it relates to content or just direction. But if you're interested in exploring church planting within the Free Lutheran Church, we'd love to visit with you. You can contact us at aflchomemissions.org. See you next time.